2. Venice So I withdraw from city life for a life better suited to an old soldier. I will tend my vines and plow my fields, repair the walls on my estate in Corfu, and have wells dug to water the olives. Of course you will, Tycho thought. The regent's honeyed words had to be borrowed from someone else. An old Roman statesman, maybe. They certainly didn't sound like anything Prince Alonzo would have thought up for himself. I will be taking my wife with me. Even the sleepiest member of Venice's Council of Ten looked up at that. They all knew the regent was unmarried and had no children, legitimate or bastard. His sister-in-law's threats to poison any brats at birth saw to that. Your wife? his sister-in-law asked. Lady Maria Dolfini. Prince Alonso smiled at Duchess Alexa, nodded politely to the counselors on their gilded chairs, let his gaze slide over Duke Marco, otherwise known as the Simple, and ignored Tycho entirely. He was only there because Marco insisted on bringing his bodyguard. I marry Maria tonight, the regent said. With your permission, that is. The archbishop has already given his agreement. I know that I need the council's seal on this, but I imagine no one would deny an old soldier company in his remaining years. Alexa snorted, but her heart wasn't in it. Tycho could see she was as shocked by this news as the rest of them, and worried if she had any sense. Alexa liked to keep her enemies close. In banishing her brother-in-law, she had, like it or not, given him freedom to move. No one objects? The regent was a barrel-chested, broad-shouldered bear of a man, as fond of wine, women, and warfare as he was publicly contemptuous of politics. In private, of course, he was as political as the next Venetian, and that was very political indeed. Smiling deprecatingly, he took a sip of red wine and pushed his glass firmly away. Look, the jester said, I'm barely drinking these days. Around the small room on the first floor used for meetings of the ten, old men were shaking their heads. A single chair stood empty, the one used until recently by Lord Attilo, now dead and buried. The regent was careful not to glance at it, just as he was careful not to glance at the boy sprawled on the throne or the boy's mother beside him. Duke Marco was watching a wasp repeatedly take off and crash land, its flights short, abrupt, and increasingly desperate. It's dying Alonzo's scowl said he wished Marco would join it. Everyone's dying these days. When the Duchess looked at her son strangely, he simply nodded to a soft-jowled courtier in a purple doublet twenty years out of date. I think Lord Brabanzo wants to speak. The two things, Brabanzo's opening and shutting mouth and Marco's morbid comments, were probably not linked. With Marco, it was hard to know. You wish to uh, object? Lord Brabanzo shook his head fiercely. What then? Brabanzo looked to Alonzo for guidance, caught himself, and pretended he'd been looking at a tapestry of a unicorn on the wall beyond.
Marco's brief moments of clarity always caused problems for those used to taking their cues from Alexa or Alonzo, depending which faction they favored. There was more to Lord Brabanzo's nervousness than this, though. Something in his manner said the hesitation was staged. Alonzo had just accepted defeat. He was withdrawing from public life to his estates in Corfu, one of Venice's many island colonies. This was close to open surrender. Of course, Alexa had left him little choice. Exile or death had been her offer. Since Tycho had provided the proof that Alonzo was behind a plot to have Alexa murdered, along with Marco and Marco's cousin Lady Julietta, he was on the list of people Alonzo would like dead.